Hey everyone, welcome back to the Quality Life YouTube channel or podcast. Thank you. We have a special guest today, Chelsea D. Adams with the CEO of Zion Studios. Thank you, girl, for coming in. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. Yeah, we're excited to have you. Um, before we hop into it, this is the Faith and Beyond show on the Quality Life channel. So we just go through and talk about testimonies of people and then talk about how God is using them in their everyday lives. So that being said, let's go ahead and get into it. Chelsea, what is your testimony? Well, um, to keep it very brief and short, but straight to the point, my testimony started um, in college, I would say. Like, I grew up in church. I grew up, you know, going to church, knowing about God. But I will say that my relationship with the Lord wasn't intentional and didn't really start until I was like a sophomore in college. Um, up until that point, um, I ended up losing a brother of mine. Um, we were 10 years apart and he passed away in 2007. That was a very traumatic experience. I had also experienced sexual assault for several years of my life. Um, and I also, you know, were in relationships that didn't really end well. Um, the last relationship that I was in, it ended right before um, God kind of like snatched me up and got me together. And that relationship was very heartbreaking um, because like I pretty much gave my all in that relationship. I lost my virginity in that relationship, all of those things. And I was just at a place of God, I don't really know where my life has spiraled to. Um, I was drinking, I was partying. Um, I tried smoking, didn't really work, um, but I was just kind of over the day-to-day -day life of kind of going to church on Sundays, but throughout the week, living life how I wanted to. I didn't really feel fulfilled. And I remember being at work at the time, and I worked overnight, so I was in the shower, and I was like, I could hear God talking to me, um, and I was just like talking to him like, Lord, like... I don't really know what's going on. I need help. Like, I don't really want to keep doing, like, going back and forth with this. And I felt like I was saying, like, give me another chance. And I was like, God, you know, I've done the whole going to the altar thing and not really seeing a change or a difference and not really knowing what all of that was. Um, but, you know, if I'm going to do this and do this for real, then I want to make sure that I'm 100% in. Like, I don't want anything to get in the relationship that I have with you. Um, and so I ended up like praying, you know, the prayer of salvation that I've, that I've heard like time and time again. But this time I could definitely tell something was different. I could feel a shift inwardly to the point where I was like, I, I have a desire now to read the word. I have a desire now to pray. I have a desire to know more of this God of, of Jesus. And from that moment in the shower, I spent like two weeks off of social media and I literally just got in the word and started reading and studying and learning and praying. Um, I ended up buying a Bible, which is the like New Living Translation Bible, study Bible. And I began to like really study the scriptures and, and learn of what I was reading. And I grew a hunger and a thirst for the word of God. I grew a hunger and a thirst for the presence of God. And from that moment and that was June 7 June 17th 2016 I you know developed started to develop my relationship with the Lord and it just became intentional over time and I've watched I've watched God 
you know, draw me away from things that no longer pleased him with whether it was, you know, the people that I hung around, the things that I was doing, the way that I was dressing, the way that I was speaking, um, just how I was living my life in general to where I am now and just all the things that God is doing. So in a nutshell, um, that is what my testimony has been. And I think the biggest part has also been growing in faith as well. Yeah, that's a lot to unpack and we are going to get into it. Okay, so you said (laughs) at one point that um, you were praying, you know, the salvation prayer that, you know, we all hear, but in this moment, like you felt a shift. What was that shift? Like, how could you? I honestly, okay. Um, I could tell that there was a shift because literally like my heart. One, I felt like a weight had been lifted off of my heart, but two, I felt like something had been deposited. And now I realized that that wasn't just something, it was someone, it was the Holy Spirit. I feel like up until that moment, I I feel like the Holy Spirit was around, but he wasn't necessarily inward, you know? Like it wasn't like, okay, now I have access to him type of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I believe in that moment, it was me being granted access to the Holy Spirit to dwell on the inside of me because I had made room for him in my heart. Um, mm-hmm. So that's that's what the shift was. And that is, that's, that moment of the Holy Spirit entering my heart is what helped me and helps me to continue in my relationship with the Lord. So, yeah. Yeah, and I think that goes back to something me and Josh talk about a lot is about um, discipline and that leads to fulfillment. And you mentioned how you were intentional with, okay, I want God to just take over my life now. I'm over the old Mm -hmm. life. So you being intentional led to over time, you know, being disciplined, and that leads to your overall fulfillment now. So I thought that's, that was very interesting. So <laughs> what, for someone who's like, okay, how do I, how can I be intentional? How can someone, like, what does intentional look like to you? Mm, that's a really good question. So When I think of intentionality, I think of a relationship that you have with your significant other, right? When you are in a relationship with someone, a romantic relationship at that, you go on dates, you schedule the dates, you plan out what you're going to wear, you make time for one another, you prioritize the other person into your daily life schedule compared to when you are single you do what you want, when you want, how you want. But when you come into a relationship with someone, then you are like, okay, well, now I have to think of this other person and what is on their schedule and what plans that we have for the future and things like that. So the same way that we're intentional in a romantic relationship with our significant other is the same way that we have to be intentional in our relationship with God in the sense of, okay, now I'm prioritizing my time with him. So when I wake up in the morning, I would normally get up, get on my phone, go eat breakfast, you know, whatever it may go to class, you know, whatever it may be. But now it's like, no, when I get up in the morning, my first thought is to pray, to invite the Holy Spirit into my day, to ask God, Lord, what's on your heart for me to do today? What are your plans for me to do today? What things do you want me to get done today? Right. I'm prioritizing my time with him. And sometimes it's not even just asking those things. It's literally just spending time reading the word 
praying, being thankful, like telling God how thankful you are um, for what he is doing in your life and just reminiscing and thinking on how good he is, how good of a father he is, how good of a leader he is. All of those things um, is being intentional. Also, when we go about our decisions, right, like instead of me just making a decision because, oh, this looks good or because I want to do this. It's like, no, let me consult with the Lord. Lord, is this something that you want me to do? Is this in alignment with the will that you have for my life? All of those things are intentionality. It's it's making room for God. It's prioritizing God in your life. So that's what I would say as far as being intentional. I like it. I would agree with all of that. 100%. So through your testimony, did you have to go through like a season of isolation or like a season of pruning? Yes, I did. Um, My season of isolation really started immediately when I gave my life to the Lord, because right after that, like I said, I was in college. And so there were parties, you know, I had friends and things like that. And I remember telling them that I had started this new relationship with the Lord. And I'll never forget, one of those friends actually said to me, well, we'll see how long that lasts. And it took me aback because I thought like, you know, I thought this person was my friend. And so for them to make that response, I feel like that was an immediate way for God to show me like, okay, I'm going to take you on this journey and you're going to start to see that not everyone who you initiated friendship with was meant to be in your life, right? Because the friends at that time were friends that I picked, not necessarily friends that Holy Spirit brought us together, you know? Like we came together because we went to parties together because we had sex or whatever the case is. Um, So from that moment, um, I began to, you know, kind of be isolated. It wasn't necessarily something that I personally like chose. It kind of just happened once I made the decision to serve the Lord. And even like there was a situation where I was invited to a party and I knew that I shouldn't go to this party, but I went anyway. And I went and then like literally within a few minutes, I was already drunk and I was twerking on a table. And I just remember like feeling so ashamed because I was like, God, like I just started this relationship with you and here I am doing this. Right. And I'll never forget Holy Spirit in that moment said, like, I forgive you, you know, and he's like, just get back up and, you know, keep going. Right. Like there was no condemnation. It reminds me of Romans 8 and 1 which says, therefore, there is now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. At that time, the Lord knew my heart. He knew that I was new in this and that I am trying, but I didn't have the tools or the steps to know how to have conversations with people to let them know like, hey, I can't engage in this. Hey, I can't go to this. Hey, you know, um, all of those things that kind of happen at the beginning of your relationship with the Lord when you're learning this new lifestyle and things like that. So that was kind of like the onset of me isolating and being isolated and knowing how to enjoy the fellowship that I had with the Lord, whether people were with me or not. Gotcha. Nice. Okay. On that note, we can take a sip and move on to our next topic. Our next topic is being a daughter of God. So what is your, let's start off with what is your experience with that? My experience with being a daughter of God, it is a long-standing one, um, but it primarily comes from 
me learning how God as a father is different from my natural father, right? So growing up, my natural father was not a perfect man. He's not a perfect man, right? So growing up, I experienced my dad being incarcerated for a period of time of my life. I also experienced my parents splitting up and getting a divorce when I was young, which prompted me and my mom to live with family members. And we were considered homeless for like eight years. And all of that kind of skewed my perspective of a father and of parenthood. And so once God began to teach me, he actually took me through a season of teaching me what it means for him to be a father to me. And I had to unlearn the ways in which I thought a father was or the ways that I had experienced fatherhood um, and relearn what fatherhood looks like from God's perspective, right? The way in which God talks to us, the way in which God loves on us, the way in which God provides for us, um, the way in which God shows up for us, all of those things is different than what we may have experienced with a natural father. And so me learning how to be a daughter of God um, was included learning like, okay, God, I'm your daughter. So that means I'm not abandoned. I'm not forgotten. I am loved. I am seen. I am heard. I am valued. You know, all of those things where, where I was, may have been in relationships where I didn't experience those things. Or, you know, like I said, with my father not being present at at a point of my life, there were certain things that I didn't receive from him that God was then able to come in and reaffirm me in and reassure me in that helped me to grow into understanding what it means to be a daughter. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that, you know, that's a lot, like that's tough. I'm sure like that was very like a hard period, time period to go through. So how did you, overcome those circumstances? Yes, it was very difficult. Um, It was also very healing. For me, how I overcame those experiences was journaling. I'm a writer by nature. So whenever I feel heavy or I'm not able to vocally articulate how I may be feeling or what I may be thinking, I journal. And as I'm journaling, it's like the Lord is talking to me through me and I'm able to receive revelation. I'm able to receive encouragement. I'm able to receive reassurance. Um, And it's like weights are lifted off of me. And so during that time is when I began to write. I ended up writing a book called um, Daughter Arise. I almost forgot the name, Um, but it's called Daughter Arise. And in that book, I share my journey and my testimony of, you know, learning what it means to be a daughter of God and healing, right? Part of that also included therapy. I saw a Christian therapist um, for about two years and worked through things, worked through situations and incidents that I had even forgotten that happened, right? Um, So all of that was a part of me overcoming was therapy, having conversations with my parents, um, praying, talking to God, crying, worshiping, all of those things helped me to overcome the incidents and the experiences that I had to not allow those things to hold me back or to keep me stagnant or in a mindset that God is like, you're not there anymore. You're not the same little girl. You're not the same person. I need you to kind of grow and and become who I'm calling you to be. Yeah. And I relate to like the Christian therapist thing because I did that earlier this year and it's very helpful one, it because it's nice to, you know, talk to someone that you're not used to talking to. And 
too because because she's a Christian faith-based therapist. She gave me scripture that you know helped me with the situations that I was going through. It helped me be like, okay, I I knew I'm I wasn't alone. I knew I could go in prayer for absolutely anything, but like having those specific scriptures for the specific situation was super helpful. So anyone, anyone watching this and you're contemplating it, it's on your mind, like go do it 100% because super helpful. Okay. Yes. <laughs> um, okay. So through all of that, there's a lot of trust that comes into, you know, allowing God to come in and do his thing. How did you relinquish that control and just trust him? <laughs> I feel like that is an ongoing thing, if I'm honest, right? At one point, I felt like I had this trust thing down with God. But it like in recent times, it's like, okay, I'm learning this all over again, you know? Um, but I will say trusting God is very much possible and how I'm able to do that and relinquish control is to, practically speaking, it's in little steps, right? So in the beginning of my walk with the Lord, I remember God telling me to drop out of school. And at this time, if you know me or you know my family, you know my mama does not play that. <laughs> like it's, it's like education is very important. And so I was not sure how I was going to tell her this, but I knew that this was God, you know, telling me to do this. Right. So I began to take steps to drop out, which meant I canceled my classes, applied to remove my housing, like different things like that before I had the conversation with my mom. Those little instances, me taking the step to drop those classes, me taking the step to remove my housing, um, me taking the step to have the conversation with my mom. All of those little steps are instances of me relinquishing control and saying, God, I trust you, right? Mm -hmm. You know, in the scripture, one of the scriptures, I can't think of where it is right now, but Jesus is talking to Peter um, and he says, Peter, do you love me? And Peter's like, yes, Lord, of course I do. He's like, well, if you love me, feed my sheep, right? Mm -hmm. um, Another way that we show God that we love him, that we trust him is through our actions. It's not just by us lifting our hands during a worship song and saying like, yes, Lord, I trust you. You know, that's the beginning of it, right? We're opening our heart to it, but then it requires a step. It requires us to take an action. Um, and that could be something big or something small, but those steps that we take, those actionable steps that we take are us exemplifying to God that we trust him, that we're relinquishing control. If he tells us like, hey, I want you to give this money to someone. I want you to start tithing. I want you to let go of this relationship. And we obey, that's so, that's us showing him that we trust him. So for me, it's through my daily actions of being obedient to what God is asking me to do, whether it's something big, whether it's something small, whether it's something spiritual or whether it's something practical. Nice. Okay. So how did, how did you know God confirmed that decision for you? Like, how did you know, like, okay, I need to drop out of school and tell my mom I'm going to drop out of school? Um, I, so at that time I didn't know that God had confirmed it until after I did all of those things. 
right? So once I dropped the classes, once I removed the housing, and once I told my mom, and when I told my mom, she was like, I don't think God told you that. I had to tell her, like, no, like, God did tell me this, you know, and I had to stand firm on what I was believing God had said, even though I had not necessarily seen something physical just yet, right? Mm -hmm. So after that happened, um, I remember getting, like, an email notification that said that my housing cancellation hadn't gone through because, there was a missing signature. Now, I don't remember needing a signature at that time, but when I got that email, I paused and I said, okay, Lord, like, what is this? Like, you know, you told me to drop out of school. I'm not, you know, understanding. Um, And I heard him tell me like, this was just a test. And he reminded me of the book of the Bible that I had been studying at that time, which was Genesis. And I had just read about Abraham and how God had told him, you know, sacrifice your son. And then while they were at the top of the mountain, you know, this ram in the bush comes. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was like, okay, God, like, so God, in that moment, God showed me through that situation of my housing, not being canceled. Like this was just a test. I wanted to see if you were going to trust me enough to go through the process and then, you know, allow me to come in. Right. Um, so for me, that was in that situation, but there are other situations where I've asked God, like, Lord, show me that this is what you want me to do. And he'll literally show me like a license plate or something physical that will reassure me. Um, Mm -hmm. and I remember that when it came time for me to move to California here and I was like, okay, God, like, if this is you telling me to move to California, then, you know, show me a sign. And that same day I saw like over a hundred license plates all from California. And I lived in Georgia at the time. And if you know, Georgia is 2000 miles away from California. So the fact that there were all of these cars from California in Georgia was like wild to me. And in that moment I was like, okay, Lord, like this is clear. You want me to do this. So I'm going to be obedient. Yes. We love to see it. Okay. On that note, let's take a sip and move to the next topic. Do you feel that? That's- okay, so our next topic is... Yeah, obedience to God's instructions. So, I think with obedience, like, you have to know, you have to be able to hear, you know, what God is trying to tell you. So how can we hear what God is trying to tell us so we can be obedient to it? That's, that is so important is one, being able to hear what God is telling you, but also to know, like knowing when God is speaking to you. And I always say the number one way to know that is by first reading the word of God. And when we read the word of God, we're not just reading it to say, Oh, we read it today, but we're reading it from a place of wanting to know more of who God is, wanting to know more of his character, his nature, his heart, how he sounds, right? Um, When you think of your parent, right? As a child, you, you grow to learn your parent's voice. You grow to learn when they inflect their voice to a certain level, okay, they're clearly being more serious than when they're joking, right? You know that when your parents come to you with a more somber tone, okay, this is a more serious or sad situation compared to when they come to you all excited and happy, right? So that comes with time. That comes with 
you know, spending time with them, learning them, all of that. So in the same way, when it comes to the scriptures and us reading it, we should be reading it from a place of, okay, let me learn more about God. Let me learn how he talks to his people. Let me learn how he is exemplified in these different situations of scripture. And that's the number one way for us to learn God's voice, because when we know the scriptures, we'll know, okay, when God speaks to us, okay, this sounds like something that God would say to me. Or this sounds like something that the enemy would say to me, or maybe this is just me, right? So the number one I would say is, is obviously studying scripture. And then right after that is taking actionable steps to like step out in faith, essentially, right? Because maybe the first time that that you start to obey God's instructions, you're not sure if it's really God telling you, you know, you are reading the scriptures, but you just don't know. So then you take a step. And I always believe when we take that step, if it's not, if it's not God, God will let us know, right? He'll say, don't, don't go down any further. Don't collect $200, whatever the monopoly saying is, right? He will tell us like, he'll, he'll put a halt or a stop to protect us. And if it is him, we'll start to see, okay, these doors are opening, things are happening smoothly, whatever the case is. And as we grow in our relationship with God, it's still the same way, but it might be a little bit more advanced because now we have more experience with God. We spent more time with God. So we may be going down a path and we see the doors opening, but we're still facing opposition and we'll learn to discern that maybe this opposition is not necessarily God telling us to stop, but it's the enemy trying to stop us because of what God is asking us to do. Mm-hmm. So that's what I'd say. Start with scripture and then step out in faith. Yeah. And what you're saying about the blockages, the stops, the halts, definitely relate to that just because I remember right after college, I was trying to figure out, you know, what I was going to do, where I was going to go. I didn't want to go back home. And so I was like, okay, I will join the Air Force (laughs) as an officer. (laughs) So I remember going through all the paperwork process, doing all that kind of stuff. And I was like, okay, my paperwork is good. And it's similar to what you were saying about when you were trying to uh, close out your housing and it came back with, hey, you need a signature. The same thing happened to me where it said, hey, you forgot signature. You forgot to sign this part. And it was just like block after block after block. So I definitely agree with that part. Like you'll know if you're supposed to move forward or not, if it's like that. Yes. So (laughs) with obedience, as we know... There are consequences to not obeying, to not obeying to God's will or to the instructions that He gives us. What would you say are some major consequences to not doing what you're told? Um, well, just plainly, the number one is it's sin, right? When we disregard God, we disregard His will, we disregard His instructions. We're operating in sin. Right. When we look at scripture all throughout the Old Testament and even the New Testament, we see God gets angry when the Israelites are, you know, disobeying him. Like when Moses literally I remember I was just reading a scripture in in might have been like one of the Old Testaments, like Genesis through Deuteronomy. I was reading when the Israelites were headed to the promised land and Moses was their leader at this time. And so Moses is up on the mount talking to the Lord. And then the person who was supposed to be like with him is down with the people and they're making gold idols and calves to, you know, to this new idol, this new God. And it's like, God is like, yo, like, 
get your people. You know, Moses is even like, God, get your people. Like, what are they doing? You know? And so in that moment, they are dis- disobeying God. They're choosing to go down their own path. They're choosing to take the way that they want to. Right. Um, and so the consequences is number one, sin. So when you operate in sin, you literally are an enemy to God. Right. You are you are you're butting heads with God and it's hard for God to protect. It's hard for God to um, be like, how do I want to say it? It's difficult for God to come into your life in the way that you would like him to or need him to when you are in sin, because it's like you're butting heads. Right. So that's the consequence of disobeying his instruction. So in that place, you have to start and humble yourself and say, Lord, I've messed up. I've sinned. You know, Lord, I repent. I come out of agreement with the decisions that I've made in disobedience to what you've asked me to do. Right. That that opens the door back into that relationship with the Lord. But also a consequence of that is you like you give the enemy room to come in and you give opportunities for I think about it like this. If there's something that God has called you to do. Right. And God has shown you, I want you to do this in the earth. I want you to do this in the world, whatever the case is. And you choose to not do that. You choose to say, you know what? I'm going to just do this because that seems too hard or I don't really want to do this or anything like that. You you're literally like hindering yourself from being used by God. And someone a consequence of that is someone else coming in to do what God had asked you to do, which is nothing wrong with that because it's. God is still going to get it done, but it's like, why, why would you not be obedient to what God is asking you to do? You know, I hope that makes sense. Yeah, it does. It kind of makes me think of Jonah and how he didn't want to go. And then so he went somewhere else and then ended up in a well. It's like, huh, you're here. Mm -hmm. So yeah, makes sense. Okay. I think on that note, we can go ahead and move to the next topic and take a sip. Okay, so our next topic is the importance of community. So, for those that don't know, Chelsea was my small group leader at my old church. She brought me into this world, you know, (laughs) I'm just kidding. (laughs) But she really did like teach me a lot in that group. And having that community really just helped me flourish and helped me learn more about the word and helped me dig deep into the things that I didn't know I needed to dig deep into. So how, yeah, so how has, because you said that you are in a new city, how has having that community been for you and not just like the faith community, but also just a community just like friendships and things like that to be honest with you it was difficult at first um when I moved here to California it literally was just me and my dog and so I didn't know anybody I didn't have any friends or family that were out here um at the time and I was just like okay God you know and it was also like um pandemic time so a lot of things were closed and nobody was really going out and things like that and because I didn't know where to go I really stayed in the house and so it was very lonely for like a couple of months almost like five or six months to be honest with you 
Um, and it wasn't until I got into background acting out here is how I started to meet friends. It's a great way to meet friends for anyone who's interested. But I was able to meet people who lived out here, who were from here, who were able to, you know, share with me different restaurants to try out, different places to go, different organizations and communities to be a part of. Um, here at my apartment, I was able to meet people as well, other residents. My apartment does a great job of putting on events for the residents. So during that time, I would go out and I would meet other residents and that helped me to build relationships and build that community. So now I can say, like, I have a group of people who I enjoy hanging out with. We go out to different restaurants. We have parties here at my house or, you know, just different things. Um, so that's always nice. And then from a spiritual perspective, I feel like God has actually called me to create community here uh, because trying to find like a biblical community has been very, very difficult. Um, for those that don't know, California is not a part of the Bible Belt. And if you don't know what that is, it's basically like a group or, or region of states that are very like religious, high, like they're high in religious uh, beliefs um, in, in the census or whatever. So like Georgia is, is a part of that Bible that like religion is a big thing, faith is a big thing, all of that, there are churches everywhere you go. Here in California, that's not the case. It's more so like new age and spiritualism and things like that. And so for me, that's very difficult because I don't ascribe to that, right? My faith is in Christ Christianity, it's in Jesus. And so with that being said, um, God has called me to create that biblical community here. So thankfully I have that experience from what I got in Georgia to be able to build that here. And so I've been able to start Bible studies, start small groups um, and things like that for women here. Oh, hey, look at you. Being prepared for this, you know, that's cool. Um, yes. So why do you think Christians should take community seriously? Mm, I like that. I feel like Christians should take community seriously because, one, Jesus shows us the importance of community. Like, even though Jesus necessarily wasn't in the temple all the time, he wasn't isolated either. He wasn't, he didn't, you know, go out and just be by himself and just do everything on his own. You know, he had his disciples with him. He had men and even women with him that, that he built community with, that he spent time with, that he poured into. Um, and they cared for him as well, right? There were times where he went to be alone with the father, um, but Jesus shows us the, the importance and the beauty of community, even in the New Testament, right? The disciples, they had their community where they shared with one another. They did things for one another. They built things with one another, right? Community is important because we can't do anything alone. Like anything that God may have called us to do and how we're supposed to live this life, we can't do it alone. How do you expect to be held accountable like the scriptures teach us if you're not in community? How do you expect to confess your sins one to another so that you may be healed like the scriptures teach us if you're not in community? Who are you going to confess to? Like, obviously, we confess to the Lord, but there are some times where we need to confess to a brother or sister like, hey, I messed up in this area. Hey, I'm struggling in this area. And us having that conversation with that other person, that allows them to come in and God to use them to encourage us, to give us wisdom, to give us correction, to do all of those things. And so it, we're a body exactly like that. The scriptures tell us about being a body. How do you expect to be a body if you're just 
the head or if you're just the body, I mean the, the chest or you're just the arms, right? You you need the fingers, you need the toes, you need the leg, you need everybody. So we have to have that community. Yeah, I definitely agree with that because I think, especially nowadays, everyone's so like individualistic, like to do your own thing in my own lane, not going to tell anybody what I'm doing. But sometimes you need those mm-hmm. people so they can pray for you, so they can, you know, like you said, give wisdom, all that kind of stuff. So I definitely agree with you. And also, I think you can build more with more people rather than it's just you, you know? So, yeah, I definitely agree with that statement. So you're very good at building community. So how can someone... <laughs> How can someone also build like-minded communities and cultivate that environment for themselves? That's a really great question. I The first thing I think of is putting yourself out there, right? In order to build community, you have to be a people person. And I think in today's time, we've kind of focused so much on being an introvert or being an extrovert to where it's like, okay, now we've like taken on this identity. So we feel like, okay, I can't go out and talk to one person and get to know one person, right? Like, I think when you build community, don't think of, okay, I have to get on a stage and tell everybody like, hey guys, I wanna have a big group, like come on together. No, it doesn't have to be that. You can literally go to one person that you see while you're out and start up a conversation and say, hi, my name is, how are you today? From that conversation, oh, where are you from? What do you like to do? Oh, okay, me too. That's how you build community. You know what I'm saying? It's literally one conversation with one conversation. And Jesus shows us that when he picked the disciples. He didn't literally go to a big old group of people and say, hey, you know, I want all y'all. No, he went to one person at a time, two people at a time, and he started to build that community. And from there, those people then went out and got more people. And then there were times when all of them together went out and got more people. So building that community, one, start off with getting to know people, being a people person, building relationships with people. Um, Also prayer, like I'm a prayer person. Like I love to pray, I'm an intercessor by heart. So it's like, I'm always praying for people. I'm praying for others. I'm not just always thinking about myself and what I have going on. I'm praying for those around me. I'm praying for my city. I'm praying for my state. I'm praying for my family. I'm praying for my friends. When we are praying, we're inviting God into the situation. We're softening our hearts to people, to their situations, to what they may be going through. So when we go out and about and we come across people who are in situations that we are not in or that we have never experienced, we come in with compassion. We come in with love. We come in with empathy. We come in with understanding. And that's how we build relationships with people, right? Um, We come in with sensitivity to other people's needs. Um, So all of those things are important in building that community um, and asking God, like, Lord, what what does this community look like? What do you want it to look like? right? Do you want me to just have women in my group? Do you want it to be co-ed? Do you want me to partner with somebody? Um, you know, do you want it to be at my house or do you want it to be at a coffee shop? Like all of these things are important because we never know why God may have us do it at a coffee shop versus our house, right? You could have, he could tell you to do it at a coffee shop because there's going to be someone that comes in on October 1st, 2022 at that coffee shop that needs to hear what you're talking about on that day, right? But if you're 
by yourself at home, just chilling, and you're not, you know, seeking the Lord, you're not praying about building this community, you're going to miss, you know, the opportunity for God to bring in souls into the kingdom and do all of those things. So that to me, that's that's how I would start with building community It's praying, getting out there to meet people, build relationships um, and allowing the Lord to show you what community will look like. And being authentic, I would say the last thing is being authentic. Don't try to fit a mold because of what you've seen done or what people say you should do. Yeah, I've done that before and it, and it doesn't work. I, I'm, I'm much rather content with being authentic to who I am, how God has made me, the way in which I talk, the way in which I relate to people, because that's going to reach the people that God wants you to reach. And when you do that, like you open the door for him to just do whatever he wants to do. You give him full reign and dominion to lead the group, to build the community and and to be glorified. Because at the end of the day, the community is for him to be glorified. It's not just for us to look cute and say, oh, I have a community, have a community, you know? That's good advice. I like that. (laughs) So let's go ahead and move on to the next topic with Josh. What is up, Chelsea? Hi, Josh. I got to switch. I got to switch headphones. I'm in the... All right. Now we're good. We're good to go. I can hear you properly. All right. Perfect. So we reached out to you. It's my favorite part because I'm actually in it. Uh, but your favorite scripture, <laughs> Romans eight twenty eight. that's been like a popular scripture with like a couple of our guests, actually. Um, and it reads, and we know that in all things, God works for the good of those who love him, have been called according to his purpose. So what is it about this scripture that, you know, really sets your soul on fire? And why do you choose this above, you know, other scriptures that you've, you know, kind of hinted at? Um, and referred to on the show? That's a great question. For me, like this scripture, number one is tatted on my arm. Um, Mm, I like, it is one of my life scriptures because throughout my life, as I mentioned at the beginning of the show, I've been through a lot and it doesn't look like it, you know, because thankfully I don't look like what I've been through. Um, But in each of those experiences, whether good or bad, I have watched God use every single situation, every single experience, every single every single circumstance to work for my good and for his glory. It's taught me something about myself. It's taught me something about the goodness of God. It's taught me something about how life is and how God is always in the midst and how he turns something that the enemy may have wanted to use to hold me down or hold me back or, you know, destroy me. Essentially, God uses it to show his goodness, his grace, his mercy, his redemption, his love. And for that, it's just like, that's amazing. That's powerful. It gives people, it gives me hope. And I hope that it gives other people hope that it does not matter how bad your situation may look right now, because God can turn it around. And that sounds cliche, but it's, it's honestly true, right? Like God, he's that powerful. Like we don't have to stay in a place of doubt or depression or, you know, just downfalls or sin. We don't have to stay in a place of sin. We can stay in a place of everlasting life and it doesn't have to be once we get to heaven. It could be right here on earth too. Yeah. So amen to that. And it's all those things that you were saying, um, you know, like the, the redemptive quality that, that was something that was materialized in you through Christ. 
right? Because it's something mm-hmm. that he went through as well. Um, the cool, the greatest thing about Christianity is that anything that we go through, Jesus went through ten times worse. Like literally mm-hmm. taking your sins to the cross and dying so that he could conquer death so that we may have eternal life. And so when you really think about that and you put it into perspective, it's like, man, I've been through literal hell, but I know my God, he went to literal hell for me so Mm -hmm. that even though my life, maybe it hasn't been like this picturesque life, the, the good life that people, you know, would, you know, portray on TV. But I know that because he has redeemed the sins of the world that I can be redeemed. And no matter where I've come from, I can move forward. I can move, I can start moving up the mountain. Um, and so I think that's yes. the, I think that's the great thing about, you know, just following God and being redeemed in Christ because you know that all things are working together for the good, no matter what you've been through. So yeah, yes. I definitely, I love, I love that scripture too. And I've had, a, I've had a chance to really kind of reflect on it because everybody's like <laughs> Romans 8, 28. And I'm like, okay, here we go again. Um, so uh, moving to a little bit different note, you own Zion Studios. So I want you to just tell Yay. us a little bit about it. What's the mission? What's the purpose? And um, yeah, what do you have going on with Zion Studios? Yeah, so Zion Studios Co. Um, is like my baby. Don't tell Molly, my dog. Um, <laughs> but Zion is um, it's a faith-based media company where we provide lifestyle and e-commerce photography as well as digital media. So we have skits, films, shows, um, courses, workshops, all of that um, encompass into one. So anything media related as far as like content curation, photography, videography, that's what we do. And the mission of it is to create content that makes a difference, right? In today's society, we see a lot of shows, films, um, just content in general, I would say that obviously doesn't glorify God. Um, and it can bring on depression, it can bring on sadness, it can bring on all of right. these things. And some of it is not even realistic. Like it's not relatable, it's not real. Um, and God gave me this business back in 2019 to to put out and create content for people that's real, that's raw, that's relatable, that's authentic, um, that glorifies God, right? Sometimes to me, Christian content can be a little cheesy And just like not really like not really relatable to where we are in today's time and especially with our generation and Mm -hmm. the generation coming up after us. And so that's that's really the main reason why we created Zion Studios. And so through the content that we create, my hope is for people to see that God is real, to see that he loves them, that Jesus is real and what life for him looks like in today's society through the shows that we put together, through the films, all of those different things. Right, so, right. No, I, I, I'm 100% with that. So, yeah, our kind of mission here, well, behind quality is our company, Wartown Creative, which our thing is media with virtue, which just perfectly aligns with mm. what you're doing with Zion Studios. And it's it goes back to, yeah, a lot of faith-based content is very cheesy and it's really not authentic to the word of God, right? Because if you, if you look at Jesus and the life that he lived, he was literally out in the streets. He was out in the streets. He was talking to whoever, wherever, and just ministering the gospel to them. 
And a lot mm-hmm. of these faith-based things put it in like these cookie cutter scenarios that are just, it, it just, it's not relatable. And that's why we're losing a lot of people in the church, especially men who, that's what, that's why there's poor leadership in the church because a lot of the men have left mm-hmm. and we don't have, mm-hmm. you know, you know, that, that, that head of the church to, you know, build the firm foundation. And so um, I definitely like what you have going on with Zion Studios. And speaking of that, where do you Thank see, you. you know, Zion Studios like 10 years from now? Like just some forward thinking for you. Um, well, definitely 10 years from now, I see us having multiple locations. Um, we're headquartered here in Los Angeles. Um, so within the next year or so, I'm looking to have our own studio space for us to create our content in in-house and also create a space for other creatives to create create content here as well. Um, So definitely within 10 years, I want to have multiple locations, um, as well as continuing to create films, shows, documentaries, um, and just, you know, continue to spread the light of Christ. But also, we're big on generosity. So being able to fund other creatives, other, you know, avenues, being able to give towards the spread of the gospel, all of those things are in line with what we plan to do throughout the years and then definitely over the course of the next 10 years. I love it. I love it. So I'm going to get to my takeaways really <laughs> quick before I pass it back to Kenya. So my takeaways. So um, you mentioned this earlier, kind of just being intentional and prioritizing your time with the Lord, like every day. There's um, a really mm-hmm. cool YouTuber. Uh, his name's Ray Comfort. Living Waters. That's his, uh, that's his YouTube channel. And he basically goes out and does and ministers to people on the street like hey you want to do an interview and then he he kind of takes them through like where their faith is and whatnot but one of his big sayings is read before feed which basically means when you wake up in the morning like read your bible go to god before you even have your breakfast and so i've been doing that because one of my challenges is i want to read the bible in a whole year so i got the bible app and the plan and i'm actually reading out of my physical copy bible because it has like you know, the little notes and, and commentary, Mm -hmm. but I'm just following that plan. And it's definitely, it gets your day started, you know, off right with the right frame of mind. And it, it, it really helps you to tackle the sin, whatever sin that you have to deal with, or that you may come up against during the day. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's basically like that. The foundation is like breakfast is the most important meal of the day. It's right. It's like, what are you feeding your soul? What are you feeding your spirit for breakfast? So I like that. Right. Um, I like that. That's what I took away from that. There was one more thing I took away, too, is obedience shows your trust in God and keeps you from death. Mm. Um, And it's like you have to be obedient to God because, of course, we're not saved by our works, but our works, like, show us the fruit that we are producing for God, right? And so if you Mm -hmm. don't have any works, then it's like that's kind of a reflection of your faith. And so... If you don't have faith, then you're waging your sins. And ultimately, if you're waging your sins, then the wages of sin is death. And so your mm-hmm. obedience is very important when it comes to God, especially if you proclaim faith in Christ. So those are my takeaways. Um, with that, I will throw it back to Kenya. Woo, that was some heat, right? Thank you, Josh, for your inputs. It's always valuable. 
Um, before we get into like this two minute drill thing and the two minute, you know, bonus question I got for you, don't you have back on the topic of Zion Studios, don't you have <laughs> something coming coming soon, something that you wanna promote, you know, on Patreon? <laughs> <laughs> Yes, um, that's a great segue. We do have a women's talk show that will be premiering this winter on Patreon, which is our uh, which is a platform that we'll be using to air the show. Um, I'm excited because it's honestly like therapy for women at a very low cost, essentially, right? Because the conversations that we're going to be having on there are about faith, about motherhood, about wifehood, about life, um, about business, um, and just life as women in general. We're going to be talking about topics that are very taboo um, amongst women. Um, and for some women, they may not even have a safe space to have these conversations or they may not know how to start these conversations. And so um, I really wanted to create a safe space for us as women to be able to commune with each other, build genuine community with one another and to grow and heal um, together. And so that's super exciting. Um, I'm excited for the guests that I will have on there. We're currently in the process of funding this. Um, so right now we're doing a funding capital campaign to raise $30,000 um, to bring this to life. So I'm super excited. Oh, yeah. I'm excited for you. Yeah. That's lit. Okay. <laughs> okay, let's Thank get you. to the two-minute hot fire question. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. Wait, wait, wait. Okay. You have two minutes left on Earth. What would you say to someone who hasn't accepted Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior and who hasn't surrendered yet? Mm, what I would say, I would say to them that the love of God is real, um, that the redemption of God is real, and it doesn't matter how long they have gone without having a relationship with him, that they can have one with him today um, and experience life, eternal life with him um, today. You know, I would bring up the scripture about the criminal who was on the cross with Jesus and literally was about to die. And Jesus was like, well, today you're going to be with me in paradise. Right. Um, and so it does not matter how long you've ran, how long you strayed, how long you've just been like, you know, absent minded of, of who God is and, and the sacrifice of Jesus, like you can experience that today in this moment right now um, and experience that love, that redemption, that healing, that restoration um, right now. So that's, that's what I would share with them. I like it. I like it. Well, Chelsea, thank you so much for coming on the show today. We're so excited. Thank you for having on. me. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> so, all right, but let's peace out. And, um, yeah, thank you guys so much for watching Quality. I will see you guys next time, and remember to live godly. Thank you for tuning in to Faith and Beyond. YouTube is telling me that you're going to like this video next, so we will see you over there. Live godly.